Oh, boy, we are back. A great, great weekend of sports in the state of Indiana and really around the world entertaining. I, I tweeted it yesterday. I don't know how there are people in the world that don't watch sports, but there are, um, and they are losers. They are missing out. We are not those people. We are not losers. I like to think we are winners. We are Chris Presley and Kevin Bowen back. Another edition of Kevin's Corner. Uh, bye week for the Colts seemed to be a good bye week, at least AFC South related. Correct, yeah. Uh, the division looked not great by any means yesterday. Jacksonville at least made it interesting. Houston looked like Houston, and Tennessee showed up for the second half, but too little too late, although that was really entertaining, like final 10, 15 minutes of that game. Um, so, yeah, man, I feel like Colts are in a still pretty good position. I do too. What, they'd be what last right now if the AFC, if the playoffs were to start today. Yeah, nothing like that comment. If the playoffs were to start today, but I mean, hell, we're approaching it. I think uh, well, Pittsburgh will get the bye because mm-hmm. they're the only undefeated team left. I believe the Colts would face. I want to say it's Baltimore, Kansas City. Okay, round one. So, uh, yeah, because two seven, three six, four five is how it works now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I I think I said it last week, Chris. Like, you look at the AFC, the wild card teams, boy, I mean. Right. Vegas lost yesterday. That was a notable loss. Cleveland won. wasn't ideal. But, I mean, is Miami going to make a run? <laughs> is, is is New England going to make a run? No. The Chargers, like, I, I mean, like who? Uh, Denver? You know, there's just – Houston would be the one team, honestly. But, I mean, they're 1-6 right now. I mean, their margin for error is virtually gone. So, um, I'm still pretty confident the Colts are going to make the playoffs and – I just love, and we can talk more about this on Wednesday's pod, but I'm so happy they're about to play some really good football teams. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to see them play against these elite teams. Like, that's what it's all about, man. Like, Notre Dame's beating Pittsburgh 45-3, to and that's great, and I'm happy, but, like, let's go play Clemson. Right. Like, let's, let's see what you got. Let, let's see what you have here. So, I don't know why I'm this fired up this early uh, in a podcast, but <laughs> here we are. Um I guess we haven't done a pot in a week, so maybe I got yeah. a little more energy. You're juiced up. You know, like you said, the measuring stick games are coming up. You would imagine that AFC North is going to start beating up on each other. Hopefully some of those teams start to fall. We start to rise. Who knows? That's why you play the game. Amen to that. Today's podcast, tons of Twitter questions we'll get to. Uh, we're going to hand out some grades here right now uh, with the Colts so far at the bye week. Um, Wednesday's podcast will probably be a little bit more trade deadline focused. I know there are a lot of people have questions about that. We'll, we'll get to a few today. Yeah. Uh, but that'll be a little bit more on Wednesday's pod, and then also previewing the Lions as uh, the Colts travel to uh, to Detroit to uh, face uh, Matt Patricia. Yeah, you talked about the the bye week grades. Let's jump right in there. Let's start cool. on the offensive cool. side of the ball because that's the thing that I think we were really uh, we we kind of were excited about the defensive side. We didn't know what we had on the offensive side. So what have you seen so far? Yeah, so let's start with um, what do you, we want to do? Pass offense first. Yeah. Yeah, um, and I'm the son of two teachers. Take that for what it's worth. But, uh, you know, again, we're going to critically evaluate this team. I'm going to give a C-plus so far to the passing offense. Uh, you know, honestly, the the pass protection has been you know, borderline outstanding. I don't say outstanding because that Cleveland game without Costanzo still it was an issue there. But I think you've got to be really pleased with where you've been at from a pass protection standpoint so far. Now, having said that, you're going to show me those pass protection numbers, and boy, the Colts still have had nowhere near the sort of consistency you need in the passing game department. You know, Hilton obviously struggled early on in the year with the drops. Rivers has been up and down. Um, you know, the injuries to Paris Campbell, Michael Pittman haven't aided you either, but still, I, I just can't give it much higher grade than this. I, you know, Cincinnati was terrific. And that was a big, big step in the right direction, especially situationally. Mm-hmm. But still, this passing offense has not given you enough. Um, and, 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 you know, injuries have played into it. And, you know, the Rivers, again, we saw on Sunday. You hope that that is the Rivers you're going to see more of, even though it was a wild situation that he was thrown into, down 21 nothing. And, and I continue to sit here and say, I, I do think he's been an upgrade over what you had last year. Um, I know some people give a lot of pushback to that. Is he a massive upgrade? No. No. He's not that. But simply, it comes down to this. Do you have a higher ceiling at quarterback right now when you're down on the scoreboard like you were against the Bengals? Do you have a chance to win a football game when you're down 14, 21 points? And you do. Is the chance great? No. 
but I'd rather have a risk taker at quarterback than a guy that's going to, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust it. And yeah. so um, I do think Rivers gives you some of that so far, but um, nothing higher than a C-plus for me. Well, you mentioned getting down 21 and nothing against the Bengals. That was a, that was a defensive problem. You mentioned that on last week's podcast. Right. So right. jumping to the defensive side, what kind of grade do you give there? Yeah, um, let's go rush offense, too, Okay. Um, before we hop over. L- l- let's do pass offense and rush offense, now that I'm looking at this. Um, yeah, I'm going to give the rushing offense a D-, minus, uh, because I have such high expectations for him. And, um, you know, when you rank 26, I think, in yards per carry, I want to say it's like 30th, or uh, 26 in total rushing yards per game, and like, 30th or 31st in yards per carry. It's just, it's horrible for what and how you've built your football team. And Frank Reich said it today um, in kind of his comeback press conference, if you will, from the bye week of, you know, we are very committed to running the football. That is our identity. That will not change and all of that. And so considering how much emphasis the Colts put on it, if the Colts had a bunch of undrafted dudes and, you know, whoever the hell it was at running back, and they have these numbers, I'm probably not giving a D minus. You know, it's a little bit higher than that. But when you see the amount of resources invested into those groups, um, I mean, honestly, the grades should probably be an F, but uh, I'm in a little bit of a better mood because of Notre Dame's <laughs> big victory. So I will give it a D minus. Um, it's been the biggest disappointment for me, Chris. Again, the short yardage situation's a bit maddening. Frank Reich was really keen on kind of the zone concepts that they have in the run game. That was a big situational or a self-scout focus for this team. Um, so, yeah, I, I I don't like what I've seen. And uh, to have success in January, it's got to become a more reliable, more consistent rushing attack. You mentioned the son of two teachers. This is basically you have a student that has the potential and you know they have it and they're just underperforming and you don't know why. Pre- Amen. Very well said. Perfectly. I mean, it's uh, you know there is more there. They've shown that there's more there last year. And with how you are built, you know, this is the whole, uh, okay, I've got eight classes, and if I'm going to get a 3-5 on my report card, I know I'm damn good in geography. That better not be anything lower than an A. or Because I, I'm not going to be that great in other areas. The Colts aren't going to be that great in passing offense. Their defense probably is not going to be A, 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 you know, like things like, so you've got to make up for it in other areas. Right. And the rushing attack has not done that whatsoever. All right, defensive side of the ball. Where are your thoughts here? Uh, yeah, pass defense. I'm going to go B minus. Uh, now there are some several statistics that you could point to, Chris, that would have this a little bit higher. Uh, passing yards per play has been pretty low. The interceptions obviously has been a really good number as well. But I can't go there because a couple things jump out to me. The inconsistency we've seen in the pass rush, the poor play recently situationally, and then the fact that you haven't played anybody. I mean, who is the best quarterback you've played this season? You would want us Cousins, but based off of contract in years past. I was going to say history Cousins. Foles Cousins? Uh, yeah, I mean, Baker? I I, I don't know. Like, Burrow? I mean, I, I literally have no idea. Yeah. I mean, who, who, is Matthew Stafford going to be the best quarterback you faced all year when you see him on Sunday? Could could be. I mean, that's that's very possible. So, um, it, get, it gets back to the point we made on last week's podcast of you still haven't faced that, you know, top 15 passing offense. So, if you're going off, you know, math or whatever, it's – what do you take? You take algebra when you're like a freshman or something. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're kind of a junior in the algebra class still. And you're doing okay. You're not dominating it like you should dominate it. Um and the pass rush to me, and we'll get to the Kamoko Terre news. I think that was kind of the newsiest item from Frank Reich's presser today. But um, when you have stopped the run like you've stopped the run, and we'll obviously get to that next, your pass defense should be – I mean, what you, you always hear the phrase, you know, stop the run and then you can have fun or whatever the defensive linemen say. You stopped it. You've done an outstanding job. So your passing defense should be even better to me in creating the pressure and all of that. So there's been good moments. For sure, uh, but I'm going to give it a B minus. Okay, you want to continue on with the defense or jump to special? Yeah, teams? let's do rush defense, and then we'll get to special teams. Uh, I think it's a solid A, man. It's um, 
it, it, it's top five rushing yards per game, rushing yards per carry. You know, forcing teams into being one-dimensional is such a big deal. Yeah. And the Colts have done just an unbelievable job with that. Uh, obviously, Grover Stewart and DeForest Buckner deserve a lot of credit. And, and honestly, even though you want more production out on the ends from Austria and Houston, they've had pretty good moments against the run this year. So uh, this has been the best aspect of Matt Eberflus's time here in Indianapolis, and it's taken another step forward. You know, maybe you haven't, again, played crazy elite rushing attacks, Baltimore and Tennessee coming up, but still, I mean, you rank top five in a category, you're going to get an A. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, tremendous job by uh, what that uh, what that unit's done. All right, let's head over to arguably and probably the best position that we've had or best uh, unit that we've had this year, and that's special teams. Dude, I – to me, this is PE. You get an A plus. You showed up and you put on your uniform and you did your job and you know you attempted to run around the gym a few times. Like good work, great work. Um, someone tweeted at me or messaged me like, "No, I can't give him an A plus because you've missed two kicks and Naeem Hines fielded a punt at the four. I'm like, "Jeez, boy. Okay, sure, but still, you've returned a kick for a touchdown, yep. which is like a unicorn event in the year 2020. You've Dominated field position, game in and game out. You set up scoring opportunities for your defense with those safeties. You have the best punter in the NFL, in my opinion. That's probably a bold statement, but whatever. He's a great punter, and Hot Rod's been pretty darn solid. Pretty, I mean, you've made the kicks that you're missing last year. So, uh, Bubba Ventrone, I'm giving your unit A plus. Field position probably stands out to me the most, Chris. When you're not dominant on offense by any means. And your defense, to me, is still not elite, and, and I, I don't think will be this season. You've got to sneak away yards in other places, and that's where the special teams comes into it, and they've done that. And, again, major credit to um, that group for, I mean, I think this is a big reason why you're 4-2 and two and not maybe 3-3, three and three, honestly. You know, when you look at those games, you're thinking, okay, well, who you – well, I don't know. Cincinnati could go a different way. But even early on in those games, Minnesota and the Jets and the Bears, you controlled field position right away and never gave up the short field. One big return by Cordell or Patterson, and it's mm-hmm. totally different ball game. Right. So, um, A-plus for the special teams unit. And potentially, I, mean, I thought we were going to get a third safety in that Cincinnati game. Having them down at the one, and then they had a false start, which put them back to the half uh-huh. yard. It was like... We might get a third one right Yeah. Here. Did they sneak it with Burrow? Is that what they ended up doing to get out of there? I believe they snuck. Yeah. They finally I think, did. I think they did. I actually like the false start idea. They're thinking, I mean, what's the difference between the half inch versus the one-fourth inch line? Like, let's try and hard count these D-line. I mean, if Justin Houston gets one more safety, I think he ties an NFL record for most safeties ever. He's probably getting a little antsy there thinking, oh, boy, here I, you know, time the snap well and whatnot. So, um, yeah, that was uh, – I kind of forgot about that play. All right, those were all the units, so the overall grade then would be what? Yeah, so it's it's interesting, Chris. You know, I thought 4-2 and two would be the record at this point of the season when we did our game-by-game previews back uh, before the start of the year. So, you know, to some people, I guess, okay, that means it's been an average start. You kind of thought where they would be because you're, you're grading everybody on a curve. Everyone gets graded differently. The Chiefs at 3-3 three and three versus the Jets at 3-3 three and three would be two totally Correct. different stories. So... Um, you know, some people would say C. I'm gonna bump it. I'm gonna say B minus at four and two. And I know you've played the easiest schedule in the NFL, but I like the point differential. That's what stands out to me. I think entering this past week, I think they're pl- uh, plus forty two, which ranks seventh in the league. That you know, that's notable right. to me. Um, and, and you got to acknowledge some of the key injuries as well. You know, Mack and Campbell and Hooker and, and even just a couple of games for a guy like Leonard or Burton um, or Pittman. So um, I, I feel a little better about where you are now versus where you were this time last year. Now, having said that, I think the second half of the schedule is tougher oh, this yeah. year than it was last year. Um, you know, Houston at 1-6, and six, I mean, come on. That's not a team I want to see. That that 1-6 and six is not Jacksonville 1-6 and six or not – you know, the Giants one and six, whoever else is one and six. So right. um yeah, I am gonna give it a B minus. You know, the, the the goal and the expectation for this team is to is to play in January. Point blank period. And uh boy, we're we're about ready to find out 
how January ready they are. And again, Chris, it's more so to me. I mean, the Colts could go two and three in the next five, something like that, and I still think they'll make the play. I mean, I don't know. Tua can get hot. <laughs> Drew Locke could get hot. Cam Newton could. I don't know what what he's going to do, but I just can't see it. I, yeah. I I can't see those teams. Now it only takes one team, maybe Vegas, maybe the Raiders. Colts have to go to Vegas in early December. That could be a huge game. Now that I think about it mm-hmm. out loud, but um, I think this team plays in the month of January. I really want to see a playoff. I love fun sporting events. Oh yeah, World Series Saturday night just uh, uh, incredible. That the IU Penn State ending. IU Penn State NFL yesterday was just. I mean, Rosie Bow literally slept the worst last night she's ever slept. And I mean, I woke up and I'm fired up to let's get a passy and Rosie and let's watch the Cardinal Seahawks highlights. <laughs> oh, that game I stayed up for. It. Ooh. So it I fell asleep with four minutes to go, and my brother-in-law texts me at like twelve twenty-five <laughs> or something. I'm like, oh wow, this went late and. Yeah. Luckily, we had a little scratch on Kyler and company, so thank you, Mr. Murray. <laughs> All right, well, that was handing out bi-week grades of the 2020 Colts. You can find that article at 1075thefan.com. Let's jump into some Twitter questions. Short plug, we also have a free agent article up on the okay. site if people miss that during the bi-week. We probably won't spend much time on that on the pods, but it kind of runs down each of the free agents for the Colts and how they look, and rookies as well. Uh at the bye week perfect we'll check those out this one comes from jorge and tyler kevin after two consecutive horrendous performances where are all those people who said cam newton should be our quarterback <laughs> yeah yeah the old uh, cam newton even the teddy bridgewater truthers that i was here i mean it's kind of like water finds its level to a degree and, and you know what i've always said about bridgewater it's like i, I don't want to tie myself multi-years if i don't think he's the right guy and with newton again it's just a He's just a very difficult guy to quarterback. You mm-hmm. really got to cater your offense heavily around him. You worry about the health. The skill group is still not great, and Brady had a great run rushing attack last year. for. And, uh, I mean, how good was their defense early on last nice. season? It was historically good. But, yeah, Cam has looked absolutely pathetic the last two weeks. I think it's five picks or something and no touchdowns. Yeah, only uh, two touchdowns and seven interceptions on the season. Gosh. Sacked four times against Denver. Three picks I mean, yesterday. Denver's banged up, and sh- yeah, that was. Whew. All right, this one's from Matt. Do you think Jerry Jones thinks about trading for Jacoby? You know, Chris, I um, when Dalton got hit yesterday, I probably checked Twitter. I don't know, a handful of minutes after it happened, ten minutes after it happened, and I probably had seven of these questions. I was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> Did I admit? I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's not me, but like, that's not my first thought. I. I don't know. Maybe I'm not as wired as like other people are, but I was thinking about boy Andy Dalton's family and John Bostick, geez, former Colt, just taking his head off. Knowing Jerry Jones from afar, which I, I couldn't be further, I guess, from the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> sure, I mean Jerry just strikes me as so win now. I mean, if Dalton's going to be out multiple weeks, I have no idea the severity on that concussion. He looked like he almost died. To yeah. be honest with you, I was a miracle. He got up and walked. Um, I mean, the NFC East is absolutely pathetic. And what, the Cowboys still have two wins? Uh, no one else has more than two wins in that division. So it doesn't seem that shocking to me, Chris. What the questions I have is this. You know, what is it like getting a quarterback ready midseason? You, you just never see quarterback trades during the middle of the season. At least I don't feel like you do. Maybe I'm missing one or two, but like, Middle of the year, COVID ramifications, all that. But again, Jerry is a different breed, and he's starting a some Italian guy, Ben Denucci. I mean, Denucci, yeah. I I mean, who? Right. You know, Buca de Beppo, part owner. <laughs> like I, I am just, <laughs> yeah. Well, so having said that, if Jerry Jones is calling, you pick up and you trade Jacoby Brissett. I mean, I'm sorry. I, I know you like him and this and that, but you, you just do it. You just flat out do it. And if Phillip Rivers gets hurt, all right, Jacob Eason, here you go. And mm-hmm. bring Chad Kelly back to the practice squad because Chad Kelly's still in the open right. market. You know, it's just that's me. Uh, I don't think Bauer would do that. You know, the, the, the trade offers that I 
the the, the high the, the best trade offers that the Colts I think ever got for Brissett. One was for a third rounder, and then one was for more of a veteran pass rusher that was probably past his prime. But that you know the abundance of trade offers for Brissett and the, the, those were several years ago. They never have really happened. But you're in panic mode in Dallas. That owner panics a lot. He's win now. He's got 30,000 people in his stadium or however many are in his stadium now. I don't know. Do you want, yeah, the chef or do you want Jacoby? Is there a Bill Parcells connection there with Ooh. Bill being a Jacoby? Wow, I didn't even think about it like that. Getting into the head of Jerry? I like where your head's at there. Um, I don't know the Parcells-Jerry relationship any, anymore, but, uh, I mean, don't you have to at least listen? Yeah. God, I... And like you said, it's Jerry. Like, it's his team. He's the general manager. He's the owner. He's going to pull the trigger on whatever he wants. You would think. And, I mean, I don't know, fourth, fifth rounder, yes, and Philip Rivers continues to barely be hit. I think yeah. Philip Rivers is too slow to ever get injured. <laughs> like, he doesn't put right. himself in dangerous situations. The, the colliding impact isn't there. No, no, yes. It is a, um, yeah, it's a soft... Small tree, fall hard, fall soft. Right. Maybe I don't know. He's he's big guy, but yeah, he's not. Yeah, this one's from Stan. Rank how surprising these events have been: regression of the red zone offense versus 2019, struggles of the run game and the offensive line, and the emergence of Blackman post injury. Oh boy, Stan's good with this stuff. Uh, how surprising! I would say the run game struggles atop the list. Blackman emergence, very close second. I mean, boy, now that I say it out loud, I could probably interchange those. But And then I would say a decent size gap to um, regression of the red zone. I think it'll get better. I mean, really good against the Bengals. I know it's the Bengals. But, yeah, to me, man, that stands out big time, run game struggles and Blackman emergence. Mm-hmm. All right, this is from Jordan, who's a Colts fan from Texarkana, Texas. Here we go. Wants to know your thoughts on trading for John Ross from the Bengals. Okay. Um, I feel like John Ross is going to be released soon. He played one snap against the Colts, inactive this past week. Like, the Bengals don't want him. They don't, you know, it's one of these things where you kind of get to the end of the training camp and it's like, well, yeah, we'll trade Daryl Daniels for Marcus Johnson because we're going to cut him and you're going to cut him or Jacoby Brissett for Philip Dorsett, like things like that. Yeah. Like, So I'm just like, am I really going to give up a sixth or seventh round pick for John Ross when I'm pretty sure you guys are just going to cut him soon? Now, of course, the Bengals can just dangle that carrot and dangle it and, and force you almost to do something. I, I understand it, like the speed guy, the slot guy, taking over Campbell, former former top 10 pick. But I'm sorry, if this dude can't crack the Bengals lineup, and I know they've got some wideouts, he hasn't cracked it in yeah. recent years, I'm not giving up a draft pick for him. Sign him when he's on the open market, yes, but no way. Nor has he stayed healthy. And here's the thing, if you want a guy like that, then you cannot complain, well, why are the Colts wide receivers always hurt? Because he's, he's going to fit that mold. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Bring him in here and osmosis. More of them are going to get hurt. Dad Talks has an interesting question for the podcast this week. Dad Talks? Dad Talks. Shout out to my great, great friend, Sean Esposito. Just became a father earlier today. I hope I'm allowed. I think I'm allowed to say this. Yeah, congratulations. Yeah. Case Esposito. Um, Case Daniel. Shout out to Dan Esposito. What a legend. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Congrats. Thank you to him, Kelly. Legend, wife, case, legend, Sean Esposito, great jump shot. And a, and a very, uh, you talk about upper trajectory on a golf game, he's got it. Colts, upper trajectory at quarterback, ugh. <laughs> yeah, need to try to get to that Sean Esposito golf game. Case Esposito, welcome to the earth. That's right. Well, Dad Talk says uh, he saw a video of DeForest Buckner getting baptized. How much do you know or see the Colts faith community during practices, games, etc.? He adds that this is an amazing thing that you don't see very often or ever in pro sports. I mean, how about it? We're talking bursts and we're talking baptism here on Kevin's podcast. Kevin's well, Corner. This, this is faith. I mean, look at this. <laughs> Welcome to 2020, folks. Um, Boy, talk about a question I never thought I'd get. I know they travel team chaplain. Uh, they have masks the night before games mm -hmm. on the road and at home, and I think there's a decent attendance at it. I can't, you know, can't say I've looked too much into that. Chris Bowden and Frank Reich, two pretty faith-oriented individuals. 
Uh, why don't you see more of it? I mean, I don't know. You play on Sundays. I don't know. Does that impact it? Victor Oladipo seems to go to church from what I hear here in Indianapolis. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I, that was cool to see. Buckner getting baptized, several of his teammates. I think Frank was there. Yeah, I I, I don't know why you don't see it. I, I don't know. People don't really broadcast right. their religious views or church stuff very often. I don't know. This one comes from Mitchell, who loves the podcast and cannot wait for Beers with Bowen on November 11th. Let's go. Let's go. Says Ballard, as we know, loves draft picks before the trade deadline. Do we see Ballard work his magic to send someone we don't really need or use, go somewhere for a pick, even if it's a late-round pick? Ballard does so well with this. Ooh, so he wants to be a little seller here, not necessarily a buyer. Yes. Um, well, Mitchell, my, my first counter would be, who would that player be, non-Jacoby Brissett division? I mean, I see no one on offense. Defense, maybe Anthony Walker. May I mean, and again, we've seen here in recent weeks why he's necessary. So, uh, no one, Mitchell. I, I I get it, and it sounds good. Um, but yeah, I can't. Uh, yeah, I'm all about acquiring draft capital, but there's a reason we haven't seen the Colts make an in-season trade in six or seven years. Mm-hmm. All right, Patrick has a great great question for the podcast, in my opinion, Kevin. Going into the bye week, the NFC leader is 2-4 and four with a very real chance that the winner may go 6-10 and 10 and host a playoff game. The Colts in the past have gone out west after winning double-digit games to play a playoff game against a 7-9 and nine division winner. Is it time to fix the playoff seating? You know, I, I said it last week, Chris. Um, the NFC East should forego, forfeit their automatic berth and should go to the NFC West. <laughs> it's a shame we won't see... Uh, more than probably two. I mean, we should see the whole NFC West in the playoffs. The NFC, man. You talk about some good wild card races. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chicago right now is a once. I mean, we'll see what happens tonight. But, um, I mean, I Patrick, for the most part, I like the structure of the NFL playoffs. I don't love the seventh team. I think two teams should get a bye. I think the regular season's a grind. I think you should reward two teams. I think you get to 14 out of... Yeah, 14 out of 32 teams make the playoffs. I don't know. You're getting a little too NBA-ish for me. And to be fair, this kind of goes in waves. You know, we saw what? Uh, Beastquake game, wasn't that? Seattle was like 7-9 and nine and hosted a first-round playoff yeah. game. So it, it goes in waves. Um, you know, maybe you say division clinches a playoff berth but not home field. That's fair. And you go off kind of record for the home field. So yeah. I don't have a great solution, Patrick. I'm not I'm not that mad about it. Other leagues I'm more mad at. Yeah. Than the NFL. Okay, K K Lou wants you to rank the Colts wideouts. Campbell, Pittman, Johnson, Pascal, Hilton, Harris, Fountain, Doolin. Is that his order? That is that's what he says. I've got Campbell, Pittman, Johnson, Pascal, Hilton, Harris, Fountain Doolin. That's quite the order. Um, yeah, Kalu. I mean, I know that obviously people are pretty down on T.Y. Hilton right now, and there is some merit to that. I can't go that low on Hilton. I mean, first off, Campbell and Pittman are hurt. Um, yeah, I can't go. I mean, Hilton, to me, he's still giving you some separation, Chris. Like, he does not look dead Reggie Wayne 2013 ACL. I remember when Reggie got... DK Metcalf from behind in that Tennessee game. Yeah. That, I mean, he looked. He's moving like me. <laughs> you know, Andre Johnson just, oh, man. Like, I don't see that out of T.Y. He, hell, he got open to just dropped it <laughs> against the Vikings. So, I, I'll still go Hilton atop it. I, I'll kind of throw Campbell and Pittman out for now just because, you know, we haven't seen them. Uh, I'll go Hilton Johnson. I think Johnson should be high. Pascal. And then probably Harris, right? I mean, Harris showed you a little bit of jitterbug elusiveness the other day. So, Fountain, Doolin, Patman. I don't think he lists Patman, but can't forget about him. Yeah. Zach asks, is Marcus Johnson undervalued? Over his career, he's averaging over 16 yard per catch. Granted, not a huge sample size, but still, that's a very big number. Yeah, oh, definitely. It is. It is, Zach. Um, yeah, I would say Marcus Johnson a little bit undervalued. You know, even almost by the Colts. 
He was a restricted free agent this past April and or March and wasn't re-signed for a month. And then the Colts cut him again, you know, at the end of camp. And it was some of that injury related, sure, but if you really liked him, mm-hmm. you would brought him on, put him on IR and and made sure you had his rights or whatever you want to call it. So yeah, I mean Johnson, you know, Frank Reich actually just talked about this on the conference call. His ability to separate his speed. I think the best thing Frank Reich loves about him is just he tracks the ball and he high points the ball extremely well for a kid that's only six one. He's not you know huge. He's got decent size, but would David Bell be the best oh. Colts wideout right now? What a show he put on against Iowa this week. Rondell Moore, who? I mean, Jesus. Talk about coming into your own. I mean, oof. yeah. I mean, Bell was doing it late last year, too. Yeah. But still, that dude's a stud. Anyways, um, yeah, eight catches for Johnson of the year, five over 20 yards. I mean, he is certainly doing a great job vertically for this team. So, yeah, I, I would say he's undervalued. And, you know, he's an unrestricted free agent. It's kind of funny. You don't think about these guys at the time. Then it's like, oh, wow. Huh. He'd be a good guy to bring back. Yeah. Jason wants to know, is too slow, soon to be the too short, knock for quarterbacks? <laughs> That's a good one. Yes. Yeah, that is um, that is a good one. I, I mean, if you don't have some ability to keep plays alive and get out of the pocket, I just don't think you're going to survive, man. I don't. I don't know what how the game's evolved that much to where it's such a big element, but it is. And I think you just got to be multiple, and part of being multiple is the ways you attack, and the way you can attack is with the quarterback's freaking legs. I mean, hell, we saw it in the IU game. Sean Clifford running for his life out there because he, you know, he's just a terrible throw over the football at times on Saturday. And then Penix doesn't run all game and then makes the two biggest plays with his feet on both those two-point conversions. So... Yeah, and I'm not just like I watched Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray last night, so now I'm saying this. Like, I think there is a lot of you have got to be able to. It doesn't have to be to the Kyler extent or the Russell extent even, but just some subtleties of yeah. You can run a boot. You can get out of the pocket. There's a read option where like, oh yeah, we do need to worry about the quarterback. Just enough, I think is a is a must. All right, Kevin, we've talked baptisms. We've talked <laughs> births. I need you to get your counselor hat on here a little oh, bit. <laughs> Eric wants to know uh, a very important question. Can he get some marriage advice? Believes that he's already on the off to a good start by having his marriage during the bye week. <laughs> yeah, you are. I mean, say no more right there, Eric. You go uh you go uh bye week wedding boy especially with the may schedule release i don't know if you had to delay that at all because of COVID or whatnot but yeah great work by you um oh gosh boy no one is listening <laughs> to this podcast for this answer whatsoever yeah eric i don't have a whole lot outside of um yeah i'll say have your family's best intentions in every decision you make i think that's paramount yep. and it it's a whole lot of sacrifice which I know can sound like negative, but no, I mean, we all make sacrifices in our life and being in a marriage, being in a family, you make sacrifices professionally, personally, socially, financially, all that stuff. So congrats, yes. Eric. Oh boy. Well, we got babies, baptisms and marriage. <laughs> Don't say we aren't cultured on Kevin's Corner. Very well-rounded podcast here. And I, we got to get back to football quick because you know, people are coming <laughs> to this for their Colts fix. So geez. All right, well then we'll jump back I'm in. Nervous. <laughs> we'll jump back in with Nathan. Nathan, who has two points of football to touch on this week. First, is Grover Stewart the most underrated one tech in the league? You know, Nathan, I'd be lying to you if I could rattle off thirty-two one techs in the league. Hell, there's probably not even thirty-two, but I, he's he's such a key piece, man. You know, it's funny, Chris. I did that free agent article earlier in the week. Twelve-ish starters on that list. Grover Stewart to me is the biggest slam dunk lock you bring back next year on a multi-year deal and you don't think twice about it Mm -hmm. and I mean there are some notable names on that list and to me no one is more of a Chris Bauer sitting around a room in December when they start free agent meetings and everyone says all right thoughts on Grover Stewart yep you bring him back make sure it's market value uh move on I mean seriously I mean that it's like to me it's the easiest one so uh yeah uh, he again. I don't know where he ranks that high. I probably can't put him like crazy, crazy high. But for what how this team is built, you know, 
structure-wise on the D-line, body type-wise on their D-line. You see the run defense stuff we talked about earlier. Hell yeah. And does it seem like the Colts are asleep in the first half of games? How much does that fall on coaching? The Titans seem to always be ready to play, and better teams will not allow you to have a bad half. Well, I couldn't agree more with that second statement, uh, or that last statement there. Yeah, you know, it, it's weird, Chris. I Part of me watches Sunday against the Bengals, and I'm like, well, I mean, does the Jack Doyle fumble really fall on coaching? Maybe just drop the Jack. Yeah. But then I'm also like, there are a lot of other things that didn't go right in the first quarter. And I do think there's a lot of coaching involved. I'm a big believer that the NFL is a lot more coaching than people are willing to give it credit for. Uh, putting in guys in the right positions to make plays. I don't think it's so much about a motivation factor. I think it's more of like a focus. You know your role. The role is clear. Um, if this happens, we're going to now do this. Like guys know how to counter things, stuff like that. So, you know, coaching, it's big in the first half, obviously. You want to come out of the gate ready. But then I'm also like, well, if you play bad in the second half, it's always like, well, they don't make adjustments. They didn't make the right adjustments, those things. So, you know, I think – you know, coaching can kind of fall on both of it. So, and, and to be fair, I really think I mean, it's just these last two games that they've come off poorly. You know, those the, the three wins before that, they really played yeah. great out of the gate. Jacksonville, I mean, they, they continue to have good first drives. Yeah. Besides the Doyle fumble, so I don't know if I can go full there yet, Nathan. But certainly, Cleveland, Cincinnati would fall into that category. Zach feels like we're in a bad quarterback of the future situation, and COVID pre- doesn't really prevent or prevents any Eason evaluation. Says the roster seems too good to miss the playoffs, but not good enough to make a playoff run. Yes, grabbing a quarterback is top choice, but even if even in a realistic uh, option, pardon me, considering all we potentially have to give up to jump to even stag the number three quarterback prospect, seems like we'd be giving up a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of validity to this question, Zach. And you know, I tweeted out Saturday before those NFL or those college games started, you know, about Justin Fields. Boy, that dude, <laughs> he's not going to be waiting very long in April no, to hear his name not. called. Um, it's interesting, Chris. You know, I remember back being in the draft. What was that? Chicago, I think, University of Chicago. No, it was not University of Chicago. It was at some small Chicago college. Back in 2015 or 16, and uh, the Eagles went up from 15 to one to take Wentz, mm-hmm. or maybe it was, ten, it was the Rams went up to get Golf. One of the two, maybe both of them did. Like teams have done it. it; it costs you a substantial amount, definitely. But you know, teams do it. Uh, I think when, you know the big thing you got to start hoping for is you really didn't want the Bengals to lose a lot. You want the Chargers to lose a lot. You want the Dolphins to lose a lot. You want the teams that have just taken a quarterback to start losing. Correct. You want the Giants to continue to believe in Daniel Jones and for them to somehow lose a lot as well. That's what you need. You need to get those three of those teams I just mentioned in the top five, and then you can kind of maneuver your way potentially up there. So it's going to cost a whole lot. But I'll counter with this, Zach. What's the alternative? Who's your quarterback next year? I'd say the vast majority that listen to this podcast probably don't want Rivers. Right. Inside that building, they probably still want Rivers. Correct. Who's your quarterback in 2022? Who the hell? I mean, who the hell knows at that point? Mm-hmm. I mean, again, you aren't drafting Jacob Beast in the fourth round to give him the starting job without any competition and any preseason reps. Right. So, yeah, Zach, I mean, it, it's a difficult question. I get it. If you if you go 10-6 and six and you're drafting 22 or something, yeah, I don't know. The kid from Alabama, and I – not to I, – I, sorry I bring up Tennessee on every <laughs> podcast, Chris, but th- th- that kid has looked really good Yeah, all year oh, long. Oh, yeah. And I know he's got some great wideouts, but, man. Um, That's he, the first real one they've had in a while. Right, right. I mean, I'm talking vertical, and he just looks – yeah, obviously Tua had some moments, but man, he um I like him. I like him. Um and yeah, who knows? Kyle Trask, we'll, we'll see what what, you know, how that develops with Florida now that the Big 10 is starting back up. Uh we'll see if any of those quarterbacks do anything besides Fields, but yeah, I mean right now Lawrence Fields, maybe Trey Lance, I mean, they could be three in the top 5. I guess I misspoke too, and Hurts fans don't come after me by saying Mac Jones is the first real one they've had in a while. Just that that traditional yeah. body type is what I meant. Yeah, I I didn't think it was the craziest comment in the world. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, certainly Tua and, and Hurts helped them win a national title and whatnot, but I guess there was just no hype around him. Maybe Mac Jones is like, who? You know, it was like no one really knew anything about him, didn't expect anything, and I just see um, a pretty natural, natural quarterback there. All right, this one's from our friend JJ. The Colts have little chance to win the playoffs this season. They barely beat the Bengals. They will need some better-than-average talent at quarterback and left tackle and more. Quarterback and left tackle must be first-round quality. Ballard hasn't shown that he has the capacity to procure an elite quarterback talent, instead choosing to use Tolzien, Jacoby, and Awash Rivers. He also let his most valuable player, Luck, take a year off and then retire, both which caught him off guard. Why should Colts, Colts fans feel they will improve anytime soon? Well, J.J., I think when you look at the roster overall, and I've talked about this a lot when kind of comparing the Ballard era to the Grigson era, I do think the roster, non-quarterback, is in a much better shape, you know, year four into Ballard than it was year four into Grigson. And I'm talking about that with a long-term look at things. Um, You've hit on the draft picks. You feel like you've got multiple second contract guys within these draft classes. Um, your O line doesn't need anything substantially tweaked. You feel like, uh, but ultimately, quarterback out evaluation is just going to be—it's it, how the Ballard tenure will be defined. You can build it however you want it, but you know this is where I just strongly disagree with what he said on day one. And I get it; it's probably more of a press conference comment and whatnot. It's not about one player, this and that. In this league, that drives it so much, though, and it's the—it's the easiest way. To find sustained success, I'll say easiest, knowing full well, it's damn bleeping hard to find the guy that's going to be under center for your franchise for a decade. Yeah. That is such a hard decision, and I am never going to lose sight of that. Uh, but I also know if you want to win, and win like Seattle has won over the last decade, why have they done that? Because they they're just a flat-out stud mm-hmm. in Russell Wilson. Um. Yeah, just got to hit on that rookie quarterback, man. I know it sounds so, yeah, it sounds so much easier than it is. <laughs> All right, Kevin, Chase has always cringed whenever the Colts had a week four to six bye and much preferred later buys. And his mind has provided a reset and chance to heal up right before the home stretch and the playoffs. Where do the players and the coaches actually prefer the bye week to fall? Yeah, Chase, it's a great question. I would say ideally early November. Um, Especially if you had a normal, well, if you had a normal camp in a preseason, maybe late October wouldn't be terrible, but you don't have that this year. So I would say, again, me personally, um, if I was making the schedule, I'd want like a week six or seven Thursday night game and then like a week 10 or 11 bye. Yeah. Kind of get the mini bye early and the real bye late. That's kind of how I would want it. But that's a good question, Chase. Yeah. This one's from Connor. Do you think Chris Ballard makes any trades for another big-time player who adds to the locker room? Says, I would love to see the Colts trade for Juju or maybe get him for a second rounder since he's due for a contract. What are your thoughts? We got Pittsburgh undefeated. They're going to trade Juju. I mean, <laughs> he's this real. Hey, your guy's taking over. Uh, yeah, he is, although he, he was a little quiet yesterday. But still, it's funny watching them now use him in the red zone and, like, they just put him in motion, and all of a sudden, Tennessee's like, oh, where's yeah. Chase Claypool going? Yep. And then, boom, someone else is open. Um, at first, when I said my guy, I thought you meant Ebron. I was like, what? Oh, no. <laughs> I, got, I got nervous there. No, 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 no. Yeah, I don't, you know, Connor, I don't see it anything that drastic. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting, Chris. We talk about the Colts being cursed from, and I don't believe in curses, but, you know, a lot of these people do tell me that I should believe in curses. Um, they haven't had a home primetime game since the fake punt game. You know, the NFL kind of decided to ground them for five years from that. You know the last in-season trade the Colts have had? Was it Booger? Is that too far back? That's got to be too far I'm back. glad your memory has erased this. Oh, no. Who who was it? Trent Richardson. Oh, duh. <laughs> I'm glad it's erased it, too. I mean, do you think the Colts have sent in trades to the league office in season and like the NFL be like, I'm sorry, we, we lost it. We we never got the email. We never got the facts. Um, you did the Trent Richardson trade. You're banned from trading in season for 10 years. Yeah. 
Now that was early. That was really was early. Very early. Yeah. Like Ballard goes down and first round pick or whatnot. Booger, as as you mentioned, was a great in season trade and helped this team win a Super Bowl and whatnot. But um, yeah, Connor, I I, I cannot. And like I said, we'll, we'll get into a little bit more of that on Wednesday. Matt would like to know if the Colts have even considered using Ty in the slot. Seems like he would be better there due to getting off the line cleaner and being able to use his speed. You know, he is in the slot a little bit more than I think we we acknowledge. He was certainly was in the slot on the deep ball in Minas, uh, the Minnesota game he dropped. But I do think Matt makes a good point here, getting off the line cleaner. I talked about this last Monday. I think he is starting at times to get swallowed up on, like, the third and fours, the third and sixes of, like, clean release. Can he create separation, you know? That is maybe a little bit of a question I have. Now, in the normal flow of the game, deep balls, you know, in cuts, um, even stuff down the seam, Frank Reich, and I went back and watched on the All-22, Rivers got pressure just a hair on Sunday in a game against the Bengals. He had Hilton down the seam for sure. Um, Just like little plays like that, I do think he's still getting open. So, uh, yeah, maybe a little bit more in the slot, but damn – and hopefully the return of Pittman for the Colts' sake will help them be able to get Hilton sure. in the slot more, but you've kind of needed him outside at times, too. This one's from Primus. If you scout the player and not the name, Marcus Johnson sure does look like the Colts' wide receiver one. He pops on film more than any other wide receiver, including T.Y. He looks fast, smooth in his routes, powerful. Should the Colts feature him, or is he benefiting from the attention that T.Y. draws? Yeah, Primus asks good questions. Um... Yeah, no one is game planning against Marcus Johnson. I mean, he has not gotten to that point at all in his NFL career. So I would say he's benefiting a bit. But I go back to what I said earlier, Chris. I mean, his ability to just track deep balls, it is a special trait. And honestly, Hilton's got a lot of that trait and yes. certainly did early in his career. I mean, I've ne- I mean, boy, I can't count more than a few plays in my career. I've considered T.Y. Hilton climbing the ladder to really make a catch. He just has this Great instinct and knack for there's the ball, there's the ball, there's the ball. Not, don't don't show my hands, don't show my eyes, yeah. and boom, still make that catch. Marcus Johnson's got a little bit of that as well, and, he, and he's bigger than Hilton. He's six one, like two hundred five. Um, but no, I mean fast, smooth, powerful. I would I saw again more of a route tree from Johnson against the Bengals. I want to continue to see more of that, and we'll see if Pittman plays on Sunday or not. This one's from Rodney. Given the draft capital attributed to the offensive line and running backs, the pieces are seemingly in place. Moving forward, in your opinion, what is the next steps to getting consistent production in the running game? It still worries me because the bad weather in January, it's going to be heavily needed in order to win games. Rodney makes a good point. And you look at some of those teams that could have a home game, you know, in January, Pittsburgh and Baltimore and Kansas City and maybe Buffalo, you know. For sure, there. Um, I, you know, I, I know the Colts and Frank Reich's pretty adamant that he thinks the blocking at, at the point of attack's been pretty good. I don't think it's been that good. I also think, and Jonathan Taylor did a great job. He's such a good, that is a high character individual, Jonathan Taylor. He, um, you know, and I'll write this at some point this week, just talking about how Tom Rathman, the running backs coach, is showing them clips of Marlon Mack, um, I don't know if developing blocks is the right way, but setting up blocks might be the better way to say it. Whereas with Max Vision and him doing this and that, that all of a sudden can create a hole that maybe is a little bit wider than it previously looked. Um, Just kind of subtleties that is really tough to probably pinpoint unless you are truly breaking it down. But Mac is in some of the running back meeting rooms right now, still hanging around Indianapolis. And so I think he's helping Taylor in that as well. So, um, you know, I still think Philip Rivers has got to stretch it vertically to alleviate a little bit of pressure on that box. Frank Reich mentioned, you know, a few kind of um, free rushers, free uh, unaccounted for guys. I, I would agree with that as well. But I still have seen, you know, the more I watch, Mark Lewinsky's struggled. Um, he has. So... Yeah, that um, that that is something that I feel like needs to get better. All right, Zach wants to know if you trade Ty for a first round pick at the deadline. He feels that Ty is not going to be in the Colts' long term plans, and sometimes teams just overpay 
when they think that there's one player away from making a serious run. Trading T.Y. Hilton for a number one pick, first round pick? Yep. I do it in a heartbeat. Heartbeat. Um, yeah, contract year. Pair those first round picks, throw in a third rounder, trade up your quarterback, draft a receiver in the second round. I mean, yeah, yeah, I, uh, sure. Yeah, I'm doing that. Um, I love T.Y. Hilton. I think he's been a, just a great player for this franchise. But, uh, yeah, you can't turn down a first round pick. Yeah. No, you can't at all. I mean, what did DeAndre Hopkins go for? <laughs> second. David and, Johnson in the second, right? Yeah. I mean, come on. Like, so yes, uh, one hundred and and yes, one hundred percent. And I think a big thing for you know Hilton, and something I wrote in that again that free agent article that I posted. Um, it's uh, it's not a done deal that he's gone to me. I just think there's got to be an understanding of where he's at market wise. Like, you're not the perennial top 10, 15 wide out in the NFL anymore. Yeah. At all. You know, Chris, I was looking up these numbers. Hilton hasn't had a touchdown since, um, like, early October last year. I think there's been, like, I don't know. It's e- it's either, I think there's been, like, 680-some receiving touchdowns since he last caught one. And I want to say there's been like 280 some hundred yard games since the last time he mm-hmm. had one. I mean, yeah, Marcus Johnson's got 200 yard games. True. You know, uh, Quentin Nelson almost scored a touchdown since T.Y. Hilton last scored a touchdown. I mean, it's like it's hard to do. So you got to know your market value. It's weird, man, because I know Hilton's not lived up to it, but I still don't think it's like horrific by any means. Yeah. It's tough. It is tough. And the injury, I mean, you're right. Okay, Kevin, on this gloomy Monday, we got Sao Paulo, Brazil in the house. Wow. How about this? This comes from Sergio, who's a big fan. He's listened to over 100 of your podcasts. Let's go. What what, what are we at? We got to be. What what number? Are we 240-ish? We're at 242. This will be 242, I believe. That's great. I I wish that was my playing weight. I'd be a great little (laughs) fullback. He wants to know, why after the Colts got ahead, against the Bengals and got the ball back that they placed Rivers under center with with JT in the backfield to run the ball the first two downs instead when instead they got in a shotgun formation and threw on both downs and the second down had an interception and the play started with nobody in the backfield yeah well first off Sergio thank you for listening um and thank you to all of our international listeners I know there's a good amount of them we appreciate you guys tuning in and certainly Sending in questions, and obviously to our um, our North American listeners as well. Uh, thank you. But um, yeah, this that was interesting. You know, um, Taylor had, had those couple big runs in the third quarter. Mm-hmm. Felt like, you know, boy, is that dam gonna break? Right. You know, here here it comes. And uh, for those of you that had the over under of Jonathan Taylor eighty three yards rushing in that game, you probably were like, yes, keep feeding them. <laughs> um, not that you know that number. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I, I do not know that. Um, I would say nobody in the backfield is a bigger issue for me. You know? It's like, I get it. Rivers have been really good. This also is a run defense. It's ranked 30th in the NFL. You just busted a couple in the third quarter. Again, you got to feel like it's going to break. And just the threat of Taylor back there. Now, all of a sudden, maybe, uh, what's his name? Bates, the safety. Jesse Bates, the safety. Maybe he's, I don't know, cheating up a step or two. Right. Thinking that that, that threat is there. And honestly, Rivers got to know the situation better. That that was such a horrible decision. Why, why are you forcing that ball um, at that point as well? Yeah. This one comes from Josh. What did you think of Lewis's play last Sunday? He says he wasn't amazing, but felt like he brought speed element off the edge that the defense had been missing. Yeah, I, I thought Tyquan Lewis was was pretty good. You know, five tackles and 20 snaps is eye-popping yes. for a defensive lineman. Was he unblocked a couple times? Yes. Still, the dude made a couple really nice plays. Uh, D-line coach Brian Baker mentioned how he uh how he is uh um how he's going to play a little bit more. Thinks Tyquan should play a little bit more. And the Colts just need better production out of Autry's been really quiet since the opener. Houston's been really quiet lately. You need more from some of those individual defensive linemen um at times. So, 
but yeah, I mean, that was really solid by by Taekwon Lewis and and much much needed not only for his individual development but also for this team in the future. All right, just a couple more here on the podcast. This one's from Jonathan. Has a serious question that he would love some feedback on. Chris Ballard has never had a track record of building a, success, a successful offense at any stop at any of his stops outside of Kansas City. Does this concern Colts fans? Oh, Jonathan, yeah, I, I would disagree with that. I mean, Chicago, he was an area scout for boy. I think every single year he was there besides one. I think he maybe was like I forget his final year what title he was there, but it's so hard to like measure scouting, you know? Like you could have the board scouted perfectly in your region and yet some people higher up in the organization could disagree with you. Mm-hmm. And the board just falls a weird way and the Northeast guys got scouted better or higher up than the West, you know, guys right. or something like that. It's just, it's tough. So Jonathan, I would, I mean, honestly, the, and how much say did Chris Bauer have in that decision-making? He was never higher than probably third. And that's a stretch, probably more like fourth in Chicago in terms of the hierarchy within that personnel department in Kansas city. I mean, Kelsey and Hill. And I mean, he was part of the Mahomes scouting process. So, yeah, I mean, I think you just generally have a question of just, yeah, I mean, just general roster building. I mean, he's never, until you get to be the GM, and you could say the same thing about, you know, right now the Pacers, they hire Nate Bjorkgren, like, okay, he's sliding over a chair. Boy, until you're in that chair, it's totally different. Yeah. Nick Nurse is making 90% of the calls. Sure, he's listening to you for some stuff. With personnel, I think the GM and head coach handled 98% of it. Yeah, you're creating a profile, and you're helping the board, and you're and you're doing a little bit of this, and you're alerting a GM of that. But at the end of the day, man, I don't think they're sitting there and saying, you know, area scout from the Midwest, who are you picking here? And literally being like, he said it, we're doing it. Yeah. <laughs> All right, this one comes from Kay Ferguson. It seems like Kari Willis is the best is best playing in the box. If the Achilles checks out, okay, could you see Ballard possibly bringing back Hooker to pair with Blackman to have two coverage-type safeties with Willis playing more of the third safety role like we used to have before this season? Keep up the great work on the podcast. Well, thank you for that. Um, uh, no, Kari Willis is too valuable for me to take off the field. Too valuable. Too solid. I, okay, he's a little bit more of a box safety. I hear it. It's an interesting thought, but I, tr- I, tr- I want guys out there I can trust. I trust Kari Willis a whole lot. Might not be a deep safety, but your coverage can make up for that. Obviously, Blackman is more of that. I like him on tight ends. I just love his instincts. So, and obviously, we'll throw in the caveat every time. Does Hooker want to come back? Right. Trent wants to know what's handcuffing Reich's play calling the most: injuries, regression, other teams having him figured out, or other. Says I feel like I've seen less play call, less, less great play calls. Pardon me from him this season. And he abandons the runs too early for my taste. Can't have a full quarter of the stunted offensive plays. When it's not the Bengals, that's a loss. Yeah, Trenton, you know, I would say, and we always get the debate, oh my God, you know, play caller, Reich, all this stuff. And of course, you go back to Sunday and you're like, you know, starts off the game, screen, screen. Jack Doyle holds on to it. Is that 20 yards? And now you're in field goal range, two plays into the game. You know, like, mm-hmm. does that fall on him? Um, my one nitpick is I probably like to see a little bit more up tempo. And you know, Frank was mentioning how he feels like you get too one dimensional in that. I'm like, well, isn't this why you have the versatile tight ends? Isn't this why you have a guy like Naeem Hines to where, you know, you have these guys that can help you out in the run game or the pass game? That's probably my one little bit of a nitpick, but I still think his creativity is pretty good. Um And we see that in the red zone. You know, there are times where you know, it works beautifully in times where it doesn't work. And mm-hmm. just. So I'm not in the Reich has gotten to vanilla category. I'm not going there. But, you know, like I said, I would like to see a little bit more tempo. The last one comes from Elijah. If Xavier Rhodes continues up this play all season long, are you giving him another contract? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, prove it deal, man. And he's he's proven it. So, 
you know, I, I was a little bit skeptical of it, and I've been wrong on that. I, you know, I was kind of thinking, okay, why not keep the Seer and Rhodes and let it battle it out? And so far, Rhodes has just shut me up. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's been was he thirty? Yeah, yep. I, you know, another kind of two year thing. You know, it maybe would help you, especially with Rocky C not taking that full step just yet. Um, yeah, definitely. All right. Well, those are the Twitter questions I have on my end. Any over there? No, that's good, man. That was that was a good list. Um, good to get back in the lab. I think that's what they say. Is that what they say? That's what yeah the, the cool kids say. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how you got your sounded. hat backwards over there, uh, Kevin. Yeah, you, you, I should this, probably straighten it up. No, this Monday you've really come with come with some energy, dude. I, I yeah, I mean I'm not gonna lie, man. It's just a, uh, I mean literally probably this time last night, Rosie. You know we're trying to get her to um, try not to. Um, Put the pa- pa- passy poppet, I believe is how you say it. You know, okay. go into a room and put the passy in every time she starts crying. So that is much easier said than done. <laughs> that that girl can cry. She can cry. Do, um, they, do they still tell you like at a certain point you just have to let them cry? I think we're here. Okay, we're here. I think we're here. And um, Rosie one, um, Kevin and Maddie Bowen zero <laughs> after one night. So uh, yeah, she. Um, boy, yeah, I love her. I love her. All right, man. We're, we got emotional on this podcast. We went in-depth. Don't think we are just Colts here on this podcast. We, we probably should do a Pacers podcast at some point as well. Now they've hired a new coach. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to all the Pacers people out there that want that. Um, we'll be back Wednesday afternoon. He's Chris Preston. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week.